may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, we just rang in a new year. That is not news. I don't know how you did it. Me? Uh, whatever. It's just another day. I've never really seen it as a big marker or something huge to get all excited about, but hey, that's just me. You? Well, you can tell me if you wish, but however you did it, the calendar has turned and it's not just another month, at least as we count time, it's another year. And we gathered last night and we talked, we looked to God's Word and I tried to put my finger on something, and it seemed to me that there were three gifts that we could look at as we closed a year and entered about to enter a new year. Three more gifts of Christmas. It seemed to me that forgiveness and grace and hope were three more gifts besides all the other ones. Forgiveness, as we look at the past, we can know that God has forgiven us. We can know because when we confess, we confess the things we've already done, and we give them to God, he forgives them, and he leaves them in the past. And so can we. Forgiveness, gift number one, that leads to grace for the present. Grace is a present. A present for the present that we can live by God's goodness, even though we don't deserve it. And then hope. Hope is another great, great gift. As forgiveness has led to grace, all of that leads to a hope. What God has done focuses and establishes who we are so we can look forward to the final business, the, the final wrap-up of God's salvation. Three gifts. I want to work with that, remembering that on this eighth day of Christmas. You can sing the song and figure out what you got on the eighth day of Christmas. I'm not going to do it. But I'll think about three more things and maybe try to get away with threes here and a second three. And I want to focus to help us with that on Epiphany. Epiphany, which is yet to come. You know, there's the 12 days of Christmas, and they end, and Epiphany comes. Uh, many people don't recognize, maybe don't remember it, but that's the day that we remember what I just read about a moment ago in Matthew chapter 2. Three wise men came, and they found the baby child, Jesus. No longer a baby, but a child Jesus. And I didn't want to miss out on this emphasis, even though it's coming Thursday, I thought now is a good time to talk. We don't really know who those wise men were. Their identity never really been made known. Tradition has given them names, Gaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. But who's to say? And you know what? It doesn't really matter because there were three of them. 
Maybe we concluded that because of the three gifts they brought. Makes some sense, but as a hard and fast fact, I don't think we can count on it. But they did come from the east, and wherever in the east that was, not mentioned. You know, all those things that are not mentioned lead us to understand the things that are mentioned, and that's important. And the, the big deal about Epiphany is those wise men were Gentiles. They were not Jews. Jesus was born as a Jew for the Jews in the Jewish country, in the line of David, a Jew, the Messiah. But not only them. And it's the coming of the wise men, the Gentiles' Christmas, that really helps us remember that Jesus is for you, and he's for me. He's for us non-Jews as well. So given the fact that we can identify, I want to identify, identify a little bit farther with this and try to understand what made those three men wise. And guess how many reasons I came up with? Three. Three reasons how they were wise. First of all, they listened. Secondly, they followed. And thirdly, they worshipped. They listened. Okay, they listened. Now, maybe we got to stretch this out a little bit. They listened to the star. No, no, the, the star didn't talk, but it gave a message. And they listened to the message. These men, whatever their names, wherever they were, studied the stars. They watched, and they found a special star. And it gave meaning to them as they went into study about it. This, by the way, is not about horoscopes. Horoscopes, a bunch of bunk. It has nothing to do with God, the real God, and nothing to do with who we are and what we will experience. But they were astrologers that studied the skies and looked for God's handiwork in something he was trying to say. They looked. They listened. And that star spoke in the sense that it gave them a message that something special had occurred. I wonder. I wonder if we were watching the skies. I wonder if we saw a special star, if we would understand what that star of Bethlehem meant. I'm not sure I would have known. I really don't think so. And this is where the prophets come in, to, where they listen to the prophets as well. They knew the Old Testament, and they knew what Balaam spoke years before. Remember Balaam from the Old Testament? He spoke a message, and part of what he said is in chapter 24, verse 17. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Sheth. Crush. Remember, Genesis, when we spoke in Advent about the Messiah crushing the head of Satan. And the star here, the star rise out of Jacob, the scepter, 
out of Israel. Those wise men saw. They got the message. They listened. And they listened to the prophets when, having seen that star, they went to look for a king. And and so they went to the capital city of Jerusalem. Makes sense. King, kingdom, capital, Jerusalem. And they found Herod. And Herod wondered as well. And they listened. Herod wanted to understand. The wise men needed to know. And what did they do? They took the book of the prophets. God spoke. They listened. It was to be in Bethlehem that the Messiah was to be born. Not like kings normally found in palaces and in places of a capital city, but in a little town of Bethlehem. These wise men listened. They saw the star. They listened to the prophets. And they listened to the angel. Well, that's not exactly right what I said, what I showed. I must have been dreaming. (laughs) Because they listened to a dream. A, A dream is what they paid attention to. Not to go back to Herod, but instead to go another direction back home. Because while he said he wanted to worship, God knew better. And he made sure that they knew better as well. Listening to these three things made these wise men wise. Wise to the circumstance and wise to salvation because they found the wisdom of God in a child. No longer a baby, as you heard, but a child repeated over and over again in Matthew chapter 2. They found the wisdom of God, the wisdom that led to salvation. You and I, we don't have a star. We don't have a GPS that's going to point out salvation. But we do have something. We have the word of God. God's word is our star. It is what leads us to understand. First to find and then to understand God's plan. His salvation in Jesus. I must confess, I don't pick up God's word often enough to read it. To prepare for things like this to be sure. To help give me wisdom for God and his plan, I need to do more. You? Well, only you can answer that. But I put that before you to think about this evening. And to suggest that 20 minutes or so per week in a service like this, and and maybe a Bible study, church-wise or otherwise, good start, but maybe not enough. Because you see, this book, this Bible, is not an easy book. People have been reading it for centuries, even thousands of years, and there's always something here, always something new to learn. So many times, pointing us again and again to God's promise fulfilled in Jesus. Reading and listening helps us understand how God did work and how God works in people's lives today. We listen through the Bible 
and we listen, we listen to our hearts. Now I understand, this almost sounds very un-Lutheran, but what I mean by this is exactly this. It's not only a head thing that God communicates to us through the word. He does that powerfully and persuasively. But when that happens, you know what? It touches the heart. I can only imagine the wise men as they saw before their very eyes the word of God made a human being. It touched their hearts as well as their heads. It is that kind of moving in God and for the power of his spirit that moves us to recognize based on his word that there's something very individual about salvation as well as universal. All nations, Jews and Gentiles, including me, including you. That touches home. What made those wise men wise was that they listened. And then, number two, that they followed. Wise men came a long way, and they went to Jerusalem. They could see the star. They followed where the star was shining. They almost got there. They got to Jerusalem. As I mentioned, the city of kings, the capital city. But then, if you notice, and maybe read again, in Matthew chapter 2, when all was said and done with Herod, it said that the star led them. It moved those seven miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. And they followed. The bigger picture of following is one important thing. Obedience. Obedience is what following is all about. Following is what obedience is all about. They didn't just see the star. They didn't just figure out what it was all about. They followed it. They obeyed. It did something to them and for them because it came from God. Downright amazing. Even though, can you imagine? They didn't fully understand what this was all about. But they obeyed. They saw, they followed, and they discovered the Christ child. For us, well, let me say, the Christian faith is really pretty easy. It is. It's really pretty easy. God loved us, so much so that he gave us his son to bring us back to himself because we'd gone astray. We'd gone our own way. Jesus brought us home. That's the good news expressed in one way. That's what Christianity is all about. But the Christian faith is also difficult. It's easy in concept to get into our heads and maybe our hearts. But the difficulty is in the following, in the listening to the word of God, in following where Jesus has gone and where he leads. Jesus is not always easy to follow. In fact, as we read and as we study and look again and again at what Jesus said and did, he turns things upside down. He makes it clear that we've done things backwards, that he's bringing in a whole new way of life. And he shows us, he taught us. And we're going to be looking at that again and again in these upcoming weeks. 
there's something very different about the life that Jesus calls us to. It's like that prayer we pray in this time of transition. Lord God, you've called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending. By paths as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us through Jesus Christ our Lord. We don't always know where faith is going to lead. We're not always certain where, what the pathway is that Jesus will take us down. It is in faith that we go. It is in obedience, the difficult part of Christianity. That's why we come together. That's why we pray. That's why we listen. That's why we study. Following is the second big way that those wise men were indeed wise. And then they worshipped. They worshipped the child. For people like you and me, well, for them, what that must have meant was that they bowed down, that they prayed. Maybe they even sang a song. Who knows? But we do know they also gave a gift. Three gifts. The number three. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Costly, important, even vital gifts. What about you? What about me? How can we be wise? Not only to listen, not only to follow, but also to worship. To come to church. I mean, you've done it. You've shown wisdom in coming here. And as often as you do, that is a wise thing that God leads you and me toward again and again. Show up and be here. Not only come together, but to be engaged, mind and heart and spirit all together to worship. I mean, we can easily go through the motions of worship and just simply do either what we're told or what is prescribed. But going through the motions is not enough. True worship involves Guess so many things. Three things, at least it could be summarized that way. It certainly includes hearing God's word, singing, praying, receiving the sacraments, acknowledging, rejoicing, being together. That's part of what worship is all about. But it's also giving gifts of thanks. That's why offering is a fundamental part of our worship. It's not a reward to whatever happens in this place or to however well we think someone has spoken to us. It's not just to make things happen, to pay the rent, to keep the lights on. They're gifts as the wise men's were to honor God, to respond to his goodness with the wealth he's entrusted to us. Almost sounds like a stewardship sermon, doesn't it? But it's true. It's, it's a part of our worship. And then worship in the biggest, widest sense, to follow. Going back to the following. Being in church is one thing. Being the church is another. Coming together and then going. Going to live as Christ leads us, as the Spirit empowers us. What a great way to live 
and to worship. It's also, worship is, that broad sense of living and obeying the Lord. Worship is about all of our lives. And it's not just here. It's in everything we do. So, anybody here, anybody here want to be ignorant? Anybody here want to take pride in being stupid? I didn't think so. Didn't see any hands go up. Instead, what do we wish? What do we strive for? We strive to be smart. We work to be wise, right? Well, these 12 days of Christmas are just about over. Thursday is a big day. I don't want you to forget. It's Epiphany. But even more than that, I would like us to remember the wise men. What made them wise? What can make you and me wise? To follow their lead in listening, in following, in worshiping. Three things. Fundamental, basic, easy to remember. And by the power of God, we're able to live today, the first day of a new year, and every day throughout the new year, even throughout life, in the name and for the sake of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.